Dick Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are Groundworks Inc. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. We're broadcasting from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to famous and awesome Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. We Dig Plants is produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener. And today our sponsor is Hearst Ranch. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single source supplier of free range, all natural, grass fed, and grass finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding lane landscape for more information go to hearstranch.com well i want to say we had some hearst ranch meat last night didn't we alice oh my god as well as some amazing pork i'm still tasting Sausage. it and thinking it about thinking about it it was it was great um carmen and i are talking about the fundraiser that was last night here um for heritage radio network and a lot of the food sponsors um donated the food and there was acme fish and it was incredible. It was delightful. And bourbon yeah. to wash it all down with, <laughs> yep. which was really, really great. It was a it was a hoot nanny for sure. So We Dig Plants brings the culture to horticulture. And in doing so today, um, we have a great, great, great guest. Um, one of our favorite catalogs um, is from a nursery in North Carolina called Plant Delights. And the owner of Plant Delights Nursery is our guest, Tony Advent from Plant Delights Nursery in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome, Tony. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing very well. Is it still hot down there? Uh, today is our first day below 90 and uh, since probably April. Wow. <laughs> so how's your water bill, Tony? <laughs> uh, well, that's the great thing about having wells. You don't have to worry about that's that. That's good. good. Good to hear that. Now, yes. if if our if our uh, listeners ever get the chance to hear Tony speak, we have to insist that they jump on it. Pay whatever you can. Yeah, <laughs> you'll learn tons and you'll have a great time. Um, Tony's well, well, what? We're actually going to be back up your way in January doing the Metro Hort. Yes, uh, Plantarama. Plant. So, That's yeah, right. I'd love for everybody to come by and uh, love to meet them, get them, get to say hello. Yeah, we'll definitely post about that. Um, uh, when the time gets nearer, um, end of December, Good. January. I'm glad you're coming back, Tony. Yeah, it could be good to get back up there. So Tony's Nursery uh, specializes in hostas. Um, I know that sounds really boring, but hosta is actually a super interesting uh, plant, and there are really great distinctive patterns in the leaf and some great smelling flowers and hilarious names, too, like Outhouse Delight. Right, Tony? <laughs> Absolutely. Did you name yeah. that one, Tony? Did you name we Out? We did, yes. <laughs> yes. We want, want our hostas to be memorable for more than the plant. <laughs> well, um, Tony's nursery collection is intoxicating, and we're really lucky he's joining us today. Um, another thing about Plant Delights Nursery is that it's a retail nursery, um, and they have this hilarious, amazing catalog that they produce, and um, everybody needs to get this catalog. Um, they feature rare and unusual perennials um, and natives, in addition to hosta, but the catalog um, is basically an expose on political and social themes that are in, in current 
Yeah, you posted the picture Favor. of the current catalog, the fall 2010, on our Facebook fan page. Yeah, it's uh, oh. it's the Gardener's Tea Party. Yes, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and um, another cover was Gardening Jihad. Or the Martha Stewart cover where she's carrying a huge sack of money. <laughs> yeah, that was the K-Martha cover. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we thought we would uh, kick off our, our discussion today with you, Tony, because we saw um, in The Onion, that you know satirical newspaper that's so hilarious, they had an article this week that, that was titled, One in Five Americans Believe Obama is a Cactus. <laughs> And yes, who, I saw that. Yeah. And who's, who says people, who says plant people don't have a sense of humor? Exactly. Right? Oh, ab- absolutely. How could you garden without having a sense of humor? Yeah. Well, I love in your uh, in your kind of um, employment, you know, like work with us portion on your website, where that's mm-hmm. the first first uh, criteria for working oh. at your nursery is the sense of humor. Oh, ab- ab- Oh, absolutely. Now, we, it's all about having fun and uh, and doing a good job as well, but uh, gracious, there's no reason you can't laugh when you're at work. Exactly, exactly. So Tony is also um, the owner of a botanical garden that's located right next to the nursery, and it's called Juniper Level, um, and that's on land that um, is called by the same name, and you're also an international plant explorer. Sure. Yeah, we we uh, don't want to run out of things to do. Uh, life would be very boring. <laughs> yeah, and you've traveled all over the world to bring us your unusual plants: China, Crete, Korea, Texas. <laughs> yeah, all those foreign countries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Tony, tell us some of your plant hunting stories. Come on, we want you to dish a little bit, Tony. Oh to- my goodness. <laughs> well, you know, you, you mentioned Texas is always one of my favorites. We were. Uh, what we do is we'll go out and we'll look for different forms, many times, of plants that we know. So we're looking for this uh, plant called a baptisia. Uh, there's a white one called baptisia alba. It ranges from the north of Minnesota, south to Florida, and west of Texas. So we're trying to get it from all the ecological ranges so we can compare them. So we're, we're down around College Station, Texas, and finally look out in the middle of this giant cow pasture. And here is this baptisia growing, one plant. And I can see that it's got two seed pods. And so, so we jump over the fence, run out there, grab those two seed pods. Yeah, grab those Get pods. back, jump over the fence. And, of course, here comes this big pickup truck right down the side of the road and rolls down his window and sticks out this really big gun right in my face. And, you know, what did you the, doing, son? Did the truck and, have uh, horns on it? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, I'd, all I could see was the barrel of the gun. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> that's all I could see. That was all, all that matters. And, and I'm trying to explain to the guy that I'm just out there after this rare plant. He said, you didn't say rare plant, did you, boy? No, sir, not a rare plant. No, no, no. No, it was a, it was a common weed. Uh-huh. You know, he, he, people have evidently been breaking in and uh, letting the guy's cows out. And you don't mess with Texas ranchers. They no. just shoot first and ask questions <laughs> later. <laughs> You were like, I'm here for the rare b- Alba Batizia. Well, he probably thought you were Monsanto tracking him down. <laughs> he didn't know what was going on, but uh, thank goodness we made it out of that one. So it's, uh, you certainly do have some hair-raising experiences that you can laugh about later, but uh, sure. uh, boy, they're, they're tough when you're there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What, about, what about internationally? Any fun, fun exploration oh tales in China? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, the roads in China are just, uh, 
beyond anything that most people can 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 think about. You're driving along this windy road through the Himalayas. You're at 12,000 feet. The, the driver has had way too many Mao Tais at lunch. <laughs> uh, they're bleeping the horn, and you're coming around these, I mean, literally hairpin curves. And the guy is, is plastered out of his mind. Right. You've got, you got two tires off the side of the road. The roads are not wide enough for four tires. Right. And, it, it's you know, you're sitting in the back uh, popping Valiums as fast as you can, thinking, <laughs> please, just let me out of here. And when he slows down, you hope you can jump out before he goes around the next curve. Right, uh, right. Oh, Holding on, oh, hold on with white uh, knuckles. And oh, I hear it, you it, can't, my dad's been to China many times. He's like, you can barely see the sun there anymore with the coal plants. Are you finding that to be the case oh, where you're going as well, Tony? Oh, my goodness, yeah. You remember when we uh, had the Olympics uh, there recently, they were talking about the uh, the fog. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fog, <laughs> the fog, heck. <laughs> yeah, no, you yeah. wake up in the morning, and then, see, they put all the towns in these valleys, and you have temperature inversions, and you get up in the morning, and everything that's burned coal or has no muffler, all there's just a, I don't know how thick it is, but you truly cannot breathe there in the morning. It's it's a... Uh, it's it's sort of like the U.S. 150 years ago, the, uh, and, yeah. and probably worse. The pollution uh, controls are just non-existent. So yeah, it's uh, take a gas mask when you go over there. Well, what what's your favorite plant that you found in China? Once you were able to see through the <laughs> smog. <laughs> oh my goodness! It, you know, it, we do so much of this. It's hard to pick a plant. It'd be like a a politician saying, "Well, that's my favorite constituent right there." Right. Uh, it's just. Uh, you know, you, the rest of them get really upset at you. So uh, yeah. that that would be awful hard. But there's, there's so many great plants in, in literally every country you go to. Well, I thought you would find this as a as a funny uh, um, statement. One of our friends said that, that politicians are like milkweed. They just blow in the wind. <laughs> uh, that's true. That works. Absolutely. <laughs> no, and your favorite constituent is the one you're talking to right at the moment. <laughs> well, we have to take a break. We'll be right back with you. Give us a minute. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to We Dick Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. You were just listening to Juniper, an appropriate song. A little fiddle music little for fiddle the Appalachia music. Foothills. That's right, by Chris Murphy. We have Tony Avent with us, one of our favorite plantsmen, um, via telephone. Um, Tony, tell us a little bit more about the early days of your company and sort of how you got started, your founding, and, and the mission of what you were trying to accomplish. Tony? I see. We seem to have lost Tony. We seem to have lost him. Okay, so uh, while they get him back on the radio, 
Um, Let's talk a little bit more. I was going through his catalog and had some pretty sexy plants, Alice. Um, <laughs> I like sexy plants. Uh, Amorphophallus, Mozambicensis inahanye. <laughs> Say that, that again? <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? That is really amazing. Um, if it's hardy, it's it's an amorphophallus, which means it smells like rotting meat. Mm-hmm. While we. We're kind of speaking on the, of meat. Speaking of meat. <laughs> Why didn't we serve that last <laughs> night? <laughs> I don't know, the party might have ended early if we had that <laughs> smell going around. Anyway, it's a rare uh, species of amorphophallus um, from Mozambique, as the name kind of tells you. And it looked really interesting. And it's this like metallic-y purple-blue color. And then it, it's wow, like... Wow, that does look really, isn't really that great? beautiful. And what's cool about Tony's stuff is that he his plants are of a decent size. Sometimes you order from mail order nurseries and they're really tiny and they're like barely rooted cuttings. So he when he sells a plant, it's a good... It's a rooted plant, mm-hmm. you know? It's got some... Um, you know, it's got some substance to it. You can put it in the garden and you don't have to wait 10 years for it to do something, you know? Right. What else was cool in that catalog other than the hostas? Um, there's this plant called, um, I guess I'm in the Amorphophallus catalog category, but there was one <laughs> called Amorphophallus bulbifer old warty or old warty voodoo lily. So we're getting close to Halloween. If you guys want to plant some things that are a little funkier and weird, um, okay, I think we've got Tony back. Tony. Yeah. Hi. Sorry, we lost you for a minute. Sorry, sorry about that. We were doing our Irish jig and we lost you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate it when that happens. That's all right. We started talking about amorphophallus and that got all of, the cl- um, all of our listeners' <laughs> attention. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about some of the things in your catalog. Yeah. So, Tony, tell us about the early days of your company. What in the world made you start a nursery and, and why'd, you, why'd you do it? Well, uh, gosh, uh, I used to order mail order from the time I was probably six years old. I ordered my first plant mail order, and I always found that fascinating that you could uh, find plants that you couldn't find at at normal nurseries. I mean, you're not going to go to your local garden center and pick up an amorphophallus. A, there's just not that demand, and B, they don't come up till mid-June, and everybody's gone then. So I always thought that idea was really, really neat, and uh, uh, so that's... That's sort of where it came from. And then we, we looked at uh, the other mail-order nurseries and said, let's pick out a niche. And we found a couple nurseries that were doing cool plants, but they had terrible customer service, and they <laughs> sent out just really dumpy little plants. And we said, if we could, you know, do the same thing and, and have a sense of humor. Because back then, no, all the, the catalogs had no personality. Yeah, they were, it was just, just text and, like, boring. Yeah. yeah, not even pictures. I mean, it was yeah. like, you're lucky if it had a description. Cause oh, it, they were yeah, lucky yeah. they had a typewriter. <laughs> yeah, and it just and, and we just wanted to add some, you know, to say, hey, we're real people. We, we love plants uh, and, and share some of the really cool plants that we thought people might enjoy. So it's, it's really been a, a neat ride. Mm-hmm. And tell us about your involvement with J.C. Ralston and the North Carolina State Arboretum. Oh, my goodness. He, that's uh, a, Dr. That's Ralston a topic. Came, yeah, he came when I was at NC State, and uh, it was so great to finally find a professor that thought the same way I did, that, mm-hmm. that plants were exciting. He Just everything about plants excited him, and, and his whole mission was to get new plants into the trade. So he was really, you know, we didn't need an impetus, but he was an, an added impetus to, uh, to to do that. Now, the funny story I love to tell is I worked for the state uh, for 16 years while we were uh, getting the nursery up off the ground, and, and, and I finally turned in my resignation, and 
he was the first visitor to the nursery, and he said, please tell me you didn't quit your day job. And <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, well, well why, why do you say that? Because you've, you want people to start nurseries. He said, There's, it's not possible to make a living with a specialty mail-order nursery. And I said, J.C., you can't be serious. Yeah. He said, there's absolutely no way. <laughs> Great. And, and he, said, he, said, not, he said, not without doing something illegal. Oh. And so I, I, I thought this through. And the next time he came out, I hung, I had a clothesline uh, where we have now a grapevine, and I had hung a, a, a clothes hanger with $8 bills on it. And he came by, and he saw it, and he walked around, and finally said, okay, I'll bite. What, what is this? And I said, well, we took your advice. That's our money laundering operation. <laughs> but I'm bummed. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard you got started kind of with hostas in your front yard. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Hostas were. Uh, we really got interested in those back in the '60s. You know, as they say, we were hostas before hostas were cool. Uh-huh. And and uh, and really expanded from there. We've actually been doing our own breeding program with hostas since uh, uh, probably '84. So that's that's certainly a, a big area of interest. Yeah. But probably now we do a lot more in uh, things like native plants are really our, our number one focus. Uh, Hostas, not as much simply because of the deer problem now. Until people realize that the deer are totally out of control, you put a hosta in the ground, the deer eat it. Sure, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty expensive deer food. So yeah. uh, until we get those under control, uh, I don't think you'll see hostas return to where they once were in popularity, which, which is a shame. I know, I agree. I mean, people have this terrible uh, association with them. Whenever we put them in people's gardens, they say, oh, not a hosta. I'm like, no, this is not a green hosta. This is something special. And we like to use them a lot because in the urban situation, there's a lot of shade often. And there's not a lot of plants. That and there's will... not a lot of deer. So for yeah, us, it's We don't great. have to worry about deer. <laughs> well, they probably don't have to worry about it on the Texas ranch either yeah. with their shotguns. Uh, no, no, but they, they don't fare too well down there. But people don't realize what the, the the best hostas in the world have come out in the last, really, 10 years. I mean, yeah. if people are growing 40-year-old hostas, they've missed the boat. Because, sure. Because, as they say, these are not your grandmother's hostas. Right. This is a, a whole new plant. you got hostas that, uh, as you mentioned, have fragrant flowers, uh, will take a fair amount of sun. you got so many different variegation patterns now. we got what we call tetraploids, where the leaves actually have double the number of chromosomes, which make them twice as thick, twice as colorful, uh, it's just incredible uh, changes. That's what I like to think of myself, too. Twice as thick and colorful. <laughs> there you go. I, I think you got that down. <laughs> um, so uh, I read a great article about you in Garden and Gun magazine. Oh, yeah. That was, that was quite fun. Yeah. from That was uh, July 2008. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a great profile of you, and it described you as a mix of Indiana Jones meets Harrison Ford and Tom Hanks with a mad scientist botanist bent. You'd say that's about <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I've been called worse. And you're dressed in red flannel. <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of become part of the stick. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Even this summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I'll wear it anywhere. So what kind of plant would you be, do you think? Oh, uh, gosh, uh, probably an unnamed species. <laughs> <laughs> Yet to be discovered. <laughs> something, something, something very strange with green blood that never has existed before. Better than blue blood. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, absolutely. So what advice can you give our listeners um, in gardening and as encouragement, other than to buy your catalog and buy plants from you? 
Guys, the, the key for people in gardening is to, number one, embrace diversity. Uh, our gardens are just so incredibly uh, depauperate in terms of plant materials. Most people garden with 10 to 12 different plants. Right, it's that's, true. That's horrible. I mean, it, it would be like living in a city yeah. with 10 to 12 different clones of people. Yeah. It would be horribly boring. Uh, the second, uh, garden, take care of the soil and do it organically. The, the, the need for chemicals in our gardens is, is minute. I minute, agree. if not non-existent. It's just if people would do things organically, let nature help you instead of fighting nature all the time. Right. Uh, it, it's just It's, it's good crazy. to hear you say that, Tony. It's good to hear someone who produces plants in volume because everybody yeah. says, oh, yeah, you can do organically in the garden, but you can't. You know, you can't do it on a large scale. You can't. Alice and I have t- have created hundreds of gardens at this point. We've never sprayed a chemical. Never. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. In the in the gardens, it's all about reducing stress in the gardens. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the tools you have to have. There's basically three stresses. There's a uh, water imbalance stress, too much or too little. There's a nutrient imbalance stress, all the nutrients out of whack, or plant in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And if you solve those three stresses, you've eliminated. Probably 90 to 95% of your pest problems. Exactly. It makes people but, go from a brown thumb to a green thumb, that ab- silly absolutely. phrase. Absolutely. Now, to do that, one of the things that, that, that I rail on a lot is water. People have to have access, gardeners do, to water. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cities now, you've got water restrictions. I hear all this, this crap about water is a limited resource. No, it's not. It's 67% of the Earth's surface. Mm-hmm. It's not a limited resource. It's a poorly managed resource. Yeah, good distinction. So, so yeah. In these cities where people don't give gardeners enough water, they make them spray because without water, you're going to have pest problems. Mm-hmm. So you've got a choice, chemicals or water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've so had a, every, it's true. Everybody, yeah, to just hammer on your, your people in your, uh, you know, where it's your representatives or whatever, get the water to us. Yeah, that's uh, people are um, we with all the gardens that we install. We always uh, put in some kind of irrigation system. We will not right. be responsible for a garden that doesn't have either a, a professionally installed irrigation system, Tony, or one that we kind of put together ourselves with drip, soaker system, soaker or system or drip, because yeah. you can't have a garden without water. Even in our zone yeah. where we get over forty inches of rain a year, the rain sure. isn't you know it's not spread out evenly, right? You know, and oh. and so it's important to have that. I'm glad to hear you say that as well because people think if i just plant natives then i won't need to water and i won't need to you know and that gets us very frustrated because they and we, we work on projects where the, there's lead certification right tony they they want to yeah. make the building as green as possible but they refuse to put an irrigation system on the green roof for the first couple of seasons and no, i said to no. myself what's the point why don't you just put gravel on that roof and call it uh-huh. a day and mm-hmm. don't even pretend that you want to have something green up there you yeah. know yeah, there's a lot of people that really don't think this whole process through. You, you, yeah, the idea, I hear the term sustainable garden. There is no such thing. A garden by itself is not sustainable. Uh, and the idea, you hear a lot of people saying that natives are better adapted, they're more tolerant of this, tolerant of that. That's hogwash. That is absolutely hogwash. I mean, where that came from, if people would look at a plot of woods and look at it from the time it's bare ground till it's mature forest, and look at how many plants germinated and how many died. 99.9% of every native plant that germinated is dead before it reaches maturity. Yeah. So, so, no, no. 
grow natives because there's some great natives out there. Yeah. But the idea that they're somehow inherently better right. is, is bizarre. I mean, most, most of them originated a half million to several million years ago. The climate was a little different back then. Uh, it, it just it doesn't hold water, but yet you hear this, these, these things repeated and people start, if they repeat them enough, they become facts. Well, it's become a design trend and, and you know, de facto rather than investigative. Yeah, like we, yeah. I'm sure you've heard a lot about the High Line planting here in New York on the... Piotoduf. Uh, and he uses uh-huh. a lot of natives. Now, that is the most precious yeah. and well-maintained landscape. Well, well, when Tommy Hilfiger is funding it. <laughs> yeah, Calvin Klein, yeah. you know. But, but, that, but that is not, you know, some of our clients go see that and then they say, I want that. I That looks like a, a wild, no maintenance and kind of garden. And we say, you can't have a garden without a gardener, period. No. Well, and you also, you're in, a, you're in a Brooklyn brownstone and you're yeah. in deep shade. You know, you're not going to yeah. get that. And that has the most over-engineered, like, soil. And, it, you know, it's, it's very mm-hmm. well-maintained. It, it looks wild, but it is so far from wild, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Now, an old friend of mine once said, the way you know when you did something really well is when you make it look so easy, anybody thinks they could do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a classic example. The best gardens look like nobody does anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, recently, and I, absolutely. And and you're you have a you have a nursery and the art the um the botanic gardens to take care of. You have a lot of people a lot of people's hands in there, you know, taking oh, care oh. of it to keep it looking the way that it does. You know, oh, ab- absolutely. The other thing related to that is when people are installing or designing a garden, you design always for maintenance. Maintenance is number one, yeah. and so many people don't do that. And then it takes them. They're, they're out there doing stupid things like using head shears and sprayers and just crazy stuff. Yeah. And if you design for maintenance first, maintenance becomes actually quite easy. Mm-hmm. And actually an enjoyable part of the Absolutely. process. You know, you're yeah. in there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, getting to know your garden throughout all the different seasons. Well, Absolutely. I, we want to thank you, Tony, so much for being on the show. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. When We're going to have to take a road trip down to see him yes. sometime. <laughs> Probably yeah. barbecue. Yeah. And yeah, we'd love to have you down. Thank you. And we'll see you in January for sure. Uh, Tony, we're going to post a link to your nursery in Raleigh on our Facebook fan page, um, Groundworks, Inc., We Dig Plants. Um, and we um, we hope to have you on the show again, perhaps uh, when you come down in January. Oh, maybe you could come to the studio. That would be Who fun. Knows? Yeah. Okay. All consider right. it an invitation. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Great to chat. Thank you Thanks, so much. Tony. Have a good afternoon. Have, have a great afternoon. Well, you've been listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you to Jack Inslee for producing our show and to Nat Wiener for engineering. Um, thank you to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and to our sponsor, Hearst Ranch. We will uh, see you in the garden.